this week's Adam Schefter podcast, as we head into the Memorial Day weekend, we'll be joined by the Pittsburgh Steelers running back James Conner, who has a new book coming out in June, and he will discuss that book with us on this podcast. And we'll be joined once again by the medical director of the NFL Players Association, Dr. Tom Mayer, as he and his group try to gear up for the return of football and the opening of the season, and he'll provide the latest insight as to where we are at in that process. And this whole thing has been a process, right? When you think about it, I think what's so been, I think what's been so hard about this pandemic is, and this is not said in a negative way, just a very practical, realistic way. There's nothing to look forward to. There's nothing on your calendar. There's nothing on my calendar. We're headed into the Memorial Day weekend. And when I look at what I have down to do, it's nothing. I don't have a single event on my calendar this weekend or this entire summer. And usually, when you're going into the summer or any time in life, really, you have little things that are happening that you look forward to, that get you through the week, that get you through a tough day. Oh, I'm going to go see this concert this weekend. Oh, my wife and I are going to go out to dinner with another couple. Oh, we're going to go away for one night. Oh, we're taking our family here. A sporting event there. There's nothing on the calendar. And it's so unusual not to have anything to look forward to, to give you hope on these hard days, frankly, to get through while you're cleaning and folding laundry and home and not leaving the house. And again, I want to say it's worse, I believe, in New York than it is anywhere. So my lens is a little colored, more so than someone's in Texas or Arizona or Nevada or Colorado. But it's been hard for everybody in our country these last few months. And I think the lack of having something to look forward to really makes it that much harder. Now, if we are going to look forward to one thing, and it's not on the calendar, but it would be the football season. That's what we begin to look forward to. And we're starting to see little signs of life that are starting to unfold. We heard the New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, on Monday say he has been encouraging pro sports teams in the state to, quote, unquote, plan reopenings without fans. And I think two, three months ago, people might have been like, no fans? What? And I think now we're at the point where, boy, you take anything with no fans. And you're starting to see little things happening, UFC events happening. On Sunday, I watched that charity golf match with Dustin Johnson and Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolf and Rory McElroy. And so I'm watching that. And then you hear Governor Cuomo say that. And then they're talking about baseball coming back. And so really, I think the thing that we most look forward to right now is the hope and optimism that football will be back, that we will get to root for our favorite teams, that we will get to draft fantasy football teams, that we'll get to track uh, the sport that we all love. And, and that right now might be the thing that gives us the most hope and the most excitement as something to look forward to because, frankly, there's not a lot else on the calendar. Even Last Dance wrapped up on Sunday night, the last two episodes, and it was fantastic. And that was one of the great things that our company, ESPN, did. They rushed the production along and got it out, and it got us through about five different Sundays where 
there's nothing going on, but now they give us the last dance. And now that we're past that and went to the Memorial Day weekend almost, we need football back. We need sports back. And we'll start to get some golf back in mid-June, which will be great. Hopefully baseball will follow, basketball. There's been some encouraging signs. And hopefully football isn't far behind and we could fill the Sundays in our calendar with football, which would be fantastic. All right, as we continue to move towards bringing live sports back into our lives, make sure you're staying up to date with the ESPN Daily hosted by Mina Kimes. Download and subscribe to the ESPN Daily as well as the Adam Schefter podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for our first guest this week, the Pittsburgh Steelers running back and author, James Conner. Fear is a choice. Tackling life's challenges with dignity, faith, and determination. And we're going to get into that book in a moment, James. But I first want to ask you about what life has been like these last couple of months in quarantine, shelter in place. What's it been like for you? Uh, it's been good. You know, first and foremost, I'm thankful for my health. Uh, you know, but just like everybody else, a lot of time at home. Uh, time's kind of going slow. Uh, but making the most of it as far as working out and, you know, still communicating with my guys, my teammates and stuff. Um, uh, it's been just like everybody else. I'm just trying to make the most and take advantage of this downtime and stay active just in case. And, uh, and for when we do have our season starts, you know, we can jump right in and it won't be out of shape and all that good stuff. So, um, just staying active though, all as well. James, where have you been spending your time? I'm in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I came back in Pittsburgh. I was down, down in Florida training, uh, early March. Um, but once things picked up and got a little more serious, I uh, came back home to Pittsburgh. I saw that your quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, posted a video on Twitter on Monday talking about working out with you and Juju and some of the guys. Have you worked out with him at all this offseason? Yes, we've been at, uh, I've been at his place and I've uh, been throwing around. Um, yeah, he's looking good, man. He, uh, got a haircut too. Um, so, you know, he's looking good throwing the ball and he's styling now too. So, um, it's been fun, man. It's been awesome this year. I think we've really grown, um, you know, as teammates and friends, all of us, you know, some receivers that's been throwing, you know, Juju and Twitch and, and, uh, just being around them, uh, you know, it's motivating. Um, it's encouraging. Uh, and Ben, he, he's looking great. And so we've got a couple of workouts in. So we're just going to keep building on it. You say he's looking great. He's coming off that big elbow injury. So there are no doubts in your mind from having worked out with him, having watched him throw. No doubts in your mind that he'll be ready for the season whenever that begins, James? Yeah, I don't have no doubts. Personally, I know um, his work ethic, um, and I just know you know his mindset and what he's capable of and what he wants to do. Um, and what, that's what we all want to do, and uh, that's win, win it all, and, and just take it one game at a time. And, and so he's looking healthy, man. He, he, he's fired up. He's anxious to play. Um, can't wait to be out there with him. You know, I'm going to play my heart out for him and, and the rest of the teammates. Well, you honestly think of his beard. Come on, James. Honestly. I mean, that's a Pittsburgh thing. You know, Keith had the beard, so I guess it's just, you know, part of Pittsburgh, and that's just how they do it. But I mean, it was wild. Um, you know, to, to each his own, he, he was growing it out until he, like you said, until he made that NFL pass, and he did that. And so um, I think it was cool for him to have, you know, something to look forward to uh, during this time. And uh, so, you know, he, he, he's looking good. The beard looks good, too. Now, you talked about being healthy. And we're about to head into a season in which there's going to be more scrutiny on a player's health than ever before, James. And for those who don't know, and I think most people know your story, but for those who don't, in the first game of your junior year, you tore your MCL. And then during rehab, 
you had a chest X-ray and a biopsy confirmed that you had Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so yeah. now we're going into the season, and there's been some concern from people about people with pre-existing conditions. How does that impact you and your thought process heading into the season? Um, it, it honestly it truly doesn't. I'm um, so far removed from that. You know, I'm going on four years now. Um, so you know that. Uh, you know, just talking with my doctor and, and stuff, and I have a great relationship with him, Doctor Marks. Um, he said, you know, you got nothing to worry about as far as your immune system or any of that. Nothing of that. You know, I, I'm far removed that uh, my body is healed. You know, our bodies are, are constantly changing and healing. So, um, hmm. you know, I have no concerns with that. Um, I'm still keeping distance and doing all that just like everybody should and is doing. Um, but as far as my my history, health, um, it's not it's not nothing I'm concerned about. It's interesting because we taped something earlier today, and I'm not trying to be Debbie down here, James, with the okay. medical director of the NFL Players Association, Dr. Tom Mayer, who's kind enough to come on our podcast on, on a regular basis. And I asked him about what he would say to somebody like yourself with a pre-existing condition. Let's take a listen to what Dr. Mayer said. This probably will be a recommendation. I, I don't know it. It's these modified face masks, which may include some form of either surgical or N95 material in it. You know, for a player like that, uh, you know, getting the helmet off, get, uh, putting a mask on right afterwards, maintaining social distancing when not on the field uh, as much as possible, uh, using single-use um, hydration, whether water, Gatorade, whatever it might be. I mean, just every little detail, anybody who's got a risk, I would advise them to be zealous, religious, and 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 frankly, um, almost maniacally committed to minimizing the chance of spread of the virus. Concerned and careful were the words he used there, James. When you hear that, does that make you any more concerned about what's ahead this season? I mean, I don't disagree with him any of his points, but um, you know, we've been playing the game that way. You know what he said with taking the helmets off and the Gatorade and all that. Um, yeah. It's been like that for 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 years, you know. It's kind of going to be hard to to focus on that while you know we're in the moment uh, out there on the field. Um, but you know, talking with our you know when we have our meetings with our team and stuff, I mean, we're going to practice safety and all of that. But I mean, like I said, I feel like I'm so far removed from that. Um, I've been playing football and it's been and everybody together and that atmosphere. Um, I think our bodies get immune to it. So, um, you know, we're going to keep it safe. I don't disagree with him, like you said, but me, uh, I'm still not, I'm, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about it. And I'm not trying to bum me out there, James. I'm just looking out for your health. And honestly, I don't want to downplay it as, yeah. and, and think that, and, and have people think that I don't think it's, it's an issue or any of that. Um, I just believe that we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And I think that, um, you know, our bodies are, are, are meant to, you know, go through things and overcome it and, and just, you know, get immune to, to things such as that. So uh, I just hope everybody stays safe, but I'm not, I'm not too concerned. So what are your expectations for the 2020 season? Because last week there were some comments from your head coach, Mike Tomlin, about how he expects you to be the lead dog back there, get back to running hard, producing. What are your expectations for this coming season, James? My my expectations is, is, is to, to win at all costs, and I'm so motivated for this season. I'm looking forward to it. 
Um, my expectations are to control everything I can control um, and just have and just put it together and have a good year. Um, when, when I'm out there on the field, one of the best in the game. So um, I'm not. I know. I know what my work ethic is. Um, I know what my faith is. I'm just gonna go out there and play football like I know how to do, um, and like I've been doing. And the staff, the whole organization believes in me. My teammates believe in me. It's really all I need, you know. Um, family believes in me. So, and then most importantly, I believe in me. So, um, I don't have no ex- uh, expectations as far as what my stats are going to be. I'm not concerned with none of that. Um, honestly, just want to give you know my quarterback uh, and this organization and the team who who took a chance on me, even when I had health concerns and and issues, um, they still a chance on me, so I just wanted to, you know, get them a ring. And so um, I know what I'm capable of doing. I'm doing everything I can as far as, you know, staying active in body, being healthy, go out there, and uh, everything will happen the way it's supposed to. Now, you talked about your team believing in you, and you're now headed into the last year of your contract. Does that impact your thinking about the season? And if it does, how so? It doesn't impact it. Um, uh, it, it every time I go out there and play, or uh, every year, um, I just look forward to that opportunity. Um, you have to perform. At the end of the day, that's all it's about. I have to perform every year that I'm there, uh, whether it be a contract year, uh, was my second year, third year. At the end of the day, you have to perform. Um, you know, I want to perform more. You know, I had once gone through some injury things, but I truly believe when I put a, a full season together, um, you know, it, it's something special. So, um, not concerned about it being my contract year. Um, you know, I know who holds my future. That's a good Lord. I, he has a plan for me. He done brought me through, you know, great disappointments. And I and I've been, came through on the other side, well, you know, which is what my, my book talks about. But I'm going to continue to put my best foot forward. And whether it be a contract year or not, i got to perform uh, regardless. And so that's all it's about. And it would be strange to picture you playing anywhere else but Pittsburgh, having played college football at Pittsburgh so well, having played well in Pittsburgh for the Steelers. You'll be a free agent and be scheduled to be a free agent after the season. It's still hard to imagine. Can you ever imagine playing outside of Pittsburgh, James? You know, um, it, it would be hard. It would be hard uh, to, to put another helmet on um, just because of everything and what this city means to me. You know, the city, like you said, I played my college ball in. The city, you know, got my life saved in, you know, became healthy. You know, the city I got drafted to. And then, you know, I want to be able to say, you know, a city I brought a championship to. So, um, it, it it would be hard, you know, I'm Pittsburgh through and through. Um, but like I said, you know, I'm big on my face. And so I'm always going to end up and, and do, end up doing and being where I'm supposed to be at. Thanks to the Lord's uh, guidance and direction. So, um, you know, we'll see. We're going to take it one day at a time. I'm staying in the moment. Now, you talked about the book. The book is coming out in June. As we mentioned, fear is a choice. And you just turned 25 a couple of weeks ago. Why was it important for you to write this book now, James? And I just felt so strongly about, um, you know, what I went through and, and the response and reaction that I've gotten from other people who went through hard times. You know, I, we, everybody knows about hard times. And, and then when I was just, you know, getting treatment at that hospital and I would have some camera crews around me and everybody around me, um, I just didn't, I just felt like, you know, I was undeserving. And I'm not just because, you know, I have a platform and I play football and, and people, you know, maybe, you know, hold us to a higher standard and put us on a pedestal at times. You know, I, we're all humans and we're no different. And people need help when they go through hard times. And, and to hear so many people say that, that I've been a hope and inspiration for them. Um, and as they always constantly ask me, how do you get through going through chemo? How do you push through? 
And, you know, I said, uh, I just got to, you know, get this down and, and, and spread this word, spread God's word, and also just let people know that it's about having a strong mindset and to expect adversity. You know, life isn't going to be smooth sailing. There's always be ups and downs. But, you know, it's just how we keep pushing and evolving. So I just felt really strongly about, um, you know, my mindset and how I got through everything and, and the help I received along the way um, was huge. You know, had it not been for, you know, I w- it was 20, 2015, all my teammates constantly around me, pushing me. Uh, you know, I just had so many people who reached out to me. And now I feel like with this book, I can reach out. Even without even knowing people, I can still reach out to them and, you know, hopefully give them some comfort um, about anything they're dealing with, whether it be, you know, being having a sick family member or being laid off a job or any type of adversity, a family death, any type of tragedy, there's ways to get through it. And now you know, James, writing a book is not easy, right? That is a difficult project. Nah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, having done five of them, it's the male equivalent of giving birth. I don't know if anybody's told you that. But, <laughs> That's the first time I heard that one. <laughs> and it's true. Uh, what was the process of writing the book for you? What was the most difficult part about that? Um, it was just um, the most difficult part was sometimes, you know, touching back on things that, you know, have a bad taste in my mouth and some things, some tragic things that, uh, you know, that were really, really rough for me. But um, it's important to go into those details and because it's all truth, you know. So hmm. um, the, it was just a long, you know, the days were long. You know, and just reminiscing and, and just talking, communicating with, with uh, Tiffany Brooks, who who I wrote it with. And, you know, she's part of the team. Um, She was so great during that process with helping me with that. Um, But it's just so, you know, so so many things that you have to go back to and and and, uh, and look at. And it's a long process, but, you know, there's no feeling like it um, once you get it all done and complete. You know, if I get some good feedback on it. So that's what I'm looking forward to next. Yeah, Tiffany's like the offensive lineman there, right? They they do a lot of the work and they don't get much of the glory, having been in that position before. <laughs> There's the a lot of work there. But but everybody knows the importance of it and, and how and how, how much it means. So um she can live with that. Yeah. And before I let you go, James, I'm just curious what you hope the reader takes away from your book, Fear is a Choice. I just want them to take away uh, a positive mindset and a positive outlook. I believe perspective is everything and even when you feel like you're going through something that's the worst thing in the world, I promise you, whether there's just going to be a little pocket of, of something positive and something good in every situation, no matter what it is, um, there's always going to be that, that, that pocket of positivity that you just have to go find and, and dig into and expand on. So just for them to realize that adversity is coming, but you can grow from it. Yeah, you know what the great part is? Everybody's been through adversity the last few months. Everybody's been. Everybody, you know. Yeah. So it, it, it's perfect timing. You know, hopefully this uplifts people. Perfect timing. Everybody's looking for a little positivity in their life right now, James. And I can tell you this. If we could get back to playing football, that would add a whole lot more to people. And oh, then when we get back and we're watching, then they can read your book and, and watch football and have the best of all worlds, right? Man, it'll be something special. I can't wait for that time when it comes. Well, James, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you very much. Continued success to you. Good luck with the book. Be well and stay healthy. Thanks for that. Talk to you soon, man. And there is the Pittsburgh Steelers running back, James Conner, who sounds like he's poised for a big season. And now, the medical director of the NFL Players Association, Dr. Tom Mayer. Dr. Mayer, my friend, how are we? I'm well. How are you? Everything all right in your world? Yeah, it is. It is. It's, uh, you know, a 
I'm, uh, I live in a world where I'm vertical and my patients are horizontal, so I can't complain and never will. <laughs> That's a good thing. Hard to imagine with the Memorial Day weekend upon us, Dr. Mayor. Do you have big plans here? You know, uh, yes and no. Uh, we're fortunate that our, um, our one of our uh, sons, two of our sons, uh, are so close uh, to us, that and, and uh, one has grandkids for, oh, wow. for children for him, grandkids for us. So it's a good chance for us to get together around the pool and uh, maintain our distancing, but have a great time together. So that's, uh, they call me Daco. Um, <laughs> I was going to go with, I love that. They were, I was uh, going for Grand Doc and they, uh, Eve, the oldest, shortened it to Daco, which I absolutely love even more. And she said that just that, you know, Daco, will, will we ever be able to hug again? And I said, of course we will, you know, but it, it breaks your heart when you hear something like that. Oh, wow. That's an amazing question from a grandchild, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, out of the mouths of babes, as the saying goes. Oh, uh, yeah, really incredible. So what do you have first this week, Dr. Mayor? What has given us some hope over the last week? Well, first of all, the report out of the six subcommittees of the joint task force between the NFL and the NFLPA are reported out at 2.30 this afternoon. And that's great news. Those groups have been assiduously at work and uh, sorting out uh, which scientific solutions um, are most likely to lead us to a place where it's safe for the players, but not just from an attitude standpoint, but from a scientific standpoint. Because, you know, the science is what drives us. And uh, moving through that, I think, becomes uh, critical. So we're, we have some inkling of what that's going to look like. And after that, uh, they're essentially advising the parties, the parties, of course, of the NFLPA, the players and, um, and the NFL, uh, the, you know, Roger and the owners. So we'll then have to absorb that, digest that. And, you know, I think one of the positives is, as you know, I'm going to listen to that information and I'm going to ask the question, which you'd expect me to ask, which is, of the options you're considering, mm-hmm. which is the safest for the players and scientifically so, so that it's not just an attitude, but that we're going to try to choose the uh, the scientifically safest pathway to go. You're probably familiar, there, a friend of mine, Jim Reason, has this Reason's model of medical error, and it's mm-hmm. the so-called Swiss cheese model. Now, he's talking about medical error, but what he's saying is that in, in order for an error to occur, it has to go through the holes uninterrupted to be able to occur. Now, I think that the holes in, in healthcare not only gets bigger and smaller, but they move from place to place. So, you know, I really reversed that and it sort of uh, reason reversed and said to get a solution for fitting football into this virus. J.C. Treader, our president, uh, famously says all the time in every meeting, you know, we're, we can't uh, we can't fit the virus into football. We've got to fit football into the virus. To do that, I think at every inflection point, for us to, to have a safe pathway, we're going to look at that arrow moving through. That arrow is the arrow of success hmm. of protecting the players, but allowing uh, for football to be played. Uh, we're just going to have to choose the safest option at every place to get sort of reason reversed yeah. uh, to get safety through that Swiss cheese. You mentioned that question, what it will look like. And what would you guess today? I know we don't know, and I know the meeting is going to be this afternoon, Monday afternoon on Monday, May 18th, but what would you guess it would look like, Dr. Mayor? Daco? 
Yeah. The well, uh, the, you can tell by the committee. So we got a committee, subcommittee, on isolation and mitigation. So there's going to be some level of isolation mm-hmm. uh, of the players. Uh, what that looks like, we'll have to uh, hear what they have to say and then negotiate what it looks like. You can expect me to be uh, very aggressive about protecting the players on how we're going to isolate and how we're going to mitigate. Um, Testing subcommittee, uh, no question, it'll be a combination of viral or PCR testing. Um, We mentioned last week briefly that DARPA has a very exciting test. Instead of testing for the virus, it tests for the uh, messenger RNA that the the body produces when it's exposed to the virus. So that's very exciting and probably will be a part of how we think about doing viral testing, uh, either viral particles through PCR or uh, the body's response through messenger RNA. There'll also be an antibody test, I'm sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Although the antibody test, I don't recall if we've talked about this, but that doesn't give you a passport. I mean, in other words, if if I've got IgG, to uh, SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, the coronavirus, that means I was exposed and have developed an immune response, but we don't know what that means. Does it mean that, you know, you're not going to get it again? Does it mean um, that you're immune proof? We don't know that, and we're not going to assume that. I can I know that that's the assumption that will be made out of that. Um, there's a subcommittee on disinfection and, and how we use a combination of PPE and other elements to be able to um, to lower the chances of getting it. I think I mentioned to you that there's a group that I had asked uh, to be stood up looking at how do you take uh, helmets and face masks and use extension of what are now visors to be able to uh, to mitigate the spread of the virus. And some mm-hmm. very exciting work coming out of that group, which will be be fun to see and fun to see what they come up with today. On treatment, that gets to the issue of somebody has tested positive, what are the close contacts? What does that mean for isolation? What does that mean for testing, frequency of testing and issues like that? Uh, critical critical piece, uh, because if, frankly, if the virus, if we get people in camps at the club facilities and the virus begins to propagate quickly, you know, we're probably close to game over because of the spread of the virus. So we want to avoid that number one, to keep the players safe, but also uh, to avoid a situation where we've got, you know, uh, complete clubs out um, and issues like that. So that, I, that's what I would expect to hear this afternoon. The good news is these, these folks are, are really, really smart folks. That, that's great to hear. Now, you bring up more, just touch on a few different things that you bring up game over if the virus were to spread in training camp or something like that. And I guess that's one of the scenarios that we're aware of, concerned about, however you want to say, what if the virus were to spread in camp or what if it were to spread the Saturday before teams were playing on a Sunday? When you say game over, what does that mean? Well, first of all, the um, it, unsurprisingly, our focus is first making sure that doesn't happen. And, and the beauty of this situation, and I mean, why I think the way JC has, uh, JC Treader, our president has has uh, framed it is exactly right because if you're doing everything possible for the safety of the player, you're also doing everything possible for the safety of the coaches, the trainers, the doctors, the essential services staff, 
uh, from the NFL. So that's nothing but good for both uh, parties. Uh, but you're also doing something that's incredible for the good of football because this virus has one natural enemy and one only, and that's transmission. If you shut off transmission, you shut off the threat of the virus. So all those things, almost like uh, circles, concentric circles in a, in a Venn diagram, really come together in the center. And obviously, our goal is to make sure that center is big as possible. Um, I don't have a preconceived idea of how many yeah. players testing positive it would take. But certainly, if, if you know, 50% of the players that entered camp uh, ended up getting the virus within the first two weeks of camp, that's a different calculus than uh, one or two or none. And, and none may be, uh, you know, that may be, that's kind of the Gretzky thing. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So we're going to try to shoot as many shots as we can that look for not just the goal, because the goal is no propagation of the virus. Now, I know you're the medical director of the NFL Players Association, and you work for J.C. Treader and D. Smith, but you said something there that I've heard other people talk about, Dr. Mayor, and that's the fact that the football players, the athletes, they're in world-class, tip-top shape. They're in the peak of their careers. They're in their 20s, by and large, with the exception of some men like Drew Brees and Tom Brady going to their 40s, but they're in their 20s. They're in great shape. And there are people who believe the virus doesn't pose a real threat to them. On the other hand, and I know you're not in charge of these people, there are coaches, older coaches, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick. There are some older assistant coaches, heavyset uh, assistant coaches as well. Do you think this poses more of a threat to some of the older coaches who are around the game and will be around these players if and when training camp in the season does get underway? Yeah, I would retreat to what we've said several times, novel and emerging, novel coronavirus, emerging infectious disease. So we know a lot more than we knew when we first started. Uh, we knew a lot more than we knew two weeks ago as we uh, chatted. So in this case, what do we know about those who are most at risk for the disease? We know that if you're over 60 years old, you're more at risk. If you're African-American, you're more at risk. If your BMI is above 28, you're more at risk. Uh, if you've got asthma or any underlying uh, lung disease or hypertension, uh, you're more at risk. And you begin to put those things together. If you have sleep apnea, you're more at risk. <laughs> and that all applies both to the players, but also in many cases to the coaches as well. To, to your point about, you know, the young, they're fit, they're in great shape and, and all that. We don't know that. I mean, I'm not saying that's not a logical way yep. to look at things. But when you're talking about, and I'm not talking about you, but you're, yep. you're representing that viewpoint. When you're talking about a virus that, you know, the, the incidence in younger people is low, but it's not zero. The incidence of pneumonia is low, uh, lower, but it's not zero. And the incidence of fatal pneumonia is low, but it's not zero. 2,500 players, an equal number of, of coaches and support staff, you know, that, that you're getting up into numbers where we have to take so seriously that uh, while we might say, well, these guys are in great shape. But the other thing that's emerging is that the, the cardiac risks, the cardiac sequelae of this disease are more than we originally thought. Aaron Bagish of, um, of Harvard and John Dresner, who's one of the team physicians with the, of the Seahawks, uh, had a paper recently. I'm happy to send it to you. But, but it clearly shows that if you think about it, if that virus is in the body, 
And if you're working out and your blood flow is higher than it would normally be, and your heart is working higher than it uh, normally would be, there's a logic which could say it might be that those who are uh, with high heart rates and heart rate variability issues like that might be more at risk, at least for the cardiac manifestation. So again, lots of moving pieces on this one. Now, the other thing that came up in the last week, in baseball, they sent out a 67-page 2020 operations manual with a lot of do's and don'ts and rules they would and wouldn't have to comply with to play baseball this season. When would you expect that football would send out a pamphlet like that? And I guess that's part of why you're having some of these meetings this afternoon on Monday afternoon, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah, so uh, when, uh, you're not going to like the answer, but the answer is soon. Because the work uh, of the committees, subcommittees is done, the report out to both the players and the, and the, the league. And then those respective parties have to sit down and say, okay, let's start to begin to negotiate what this would look like. Because what might look safe to one party might not look safe to the other party. Mm -hmm. I will say that um, we will go through that document in great detail and call any great ideas that fit with football because obviously it's a completely different game than uh, than baseball. Uh, but we'll call any great ideas. We don't care where the source is. It doesn't have to come from us. As long mm -hmm. as it's a great idea and can be implemented, then we want to take advantage of what MLB, of what uh, Bundesliga, of Australian Rules Football, uh, and, and we're in contact with all those people uh, through the World Players Association, which the NFLPA is a part of. So we're going to take every good idea we possibly can adapt and uh, adapt it and adopt it uh, to fit football. Why do you say I wouldn't like that idea of that soon, or the idea of it coming out soon, that report? Well, because it's not a specific uh, answer. It's not two yeah. weeks or, you know, 10 hours and 15 minutes or something like that. But, yeah, it's not going to take um, it's not going to take a long period of time to digest this, to uh, interpret it in terms of what does it mean for um, for us, you know, there's yeah. a. I'm told there was a video that was out uh, for the NFL staff, uh, part of which said "farther is better." Was so much for our players, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's not accurate, but you know, I, listen, you know, there's plenty of wide receivers that that really love that idea because when they get separation, they've done their job, and farther is better <laughs> for them, meaning farther <laughs> away from yeah. from the other player. That you know, the DBs are not thinking that way, of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Uh, they, they don't, they, they don't uh, want to socially distance. Yeah, they don't want to socially distance. Yeah. Yeah, and then you get down in the trenches, and we've talked about this. You couldn't design a, a, a environment that is more prone to transmitting the virus if the virus is there than, than football, uh, particularly down in the trenches and the line, uh, and linebackers and, you know, those folks that are making contact every single play. Now, one of the guests we had on the podcast this week, Dr. Mayor, is the Steelers running back James Conner. And he obviously has got a pre-existing medical condition. Is he more at risk? Should he be more concerned than your average player preparing for the 2020 NFL season? I think anybody who has any risk factor should be more uh, concerned and more careful, both in their personal life and in uh, how they adopt the football. For example, this probably will be a recommendation. I, I don't know it. It's, uh, this is... DACO talking and not the, the uh, task force, but there'll probably be a recommendation that these modified face masks, which may include 
some form of either surgical or N95 material in it. Um, but when you, you know, when I'm in the hospital, I'm an emergency physician, as you know, the, the highest risk to me is donning and doffing uh, PPE, is, mm-hmm. is getting out of the gown and getting out of the, um, the mask because of the potential of spreading virus that contacted the gear that I'm in. Same is true in, in football. So, you know, for a player like that, I, you know, getting the helmet off, get, uh, putting a mask on right afterwards, maintaining social distancing when not on the field uh, as much as possible, uh, using single-use um, hydration, whether water, Gatorade, whatever it might be. I mean, just every little detail. Anybody who's got a risk, I would advise them to be zealous, religious, and 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 frankly, um, almost maniacally committed to minimizing the chance of spread of the virus. Did I hear you say that the face mask could, might be modified this year to include surgical or N95 material on the players? Yes, that's a possibility. Back, back in the, in early March, I had suggested that we should consider novel, novel and emerging, but novel and emerging ways to, to handle the helmets and the face masks and the spread of the virus. Um, and uh, they, these guys, the bioengineers that we use and that the league uses, uh, Oakley, as you may or may not know, does all the face visors for uh, the league under contract. These guys got the bit between their teeth, and uh, and I've told them, you know, hey, if this works, I want to make sure they call them mayor masks. If it doesn't work, we can call it something else. But and what will that look like? Don't know yet. You know, they've got some prototypes. They're doing really good work. Hmm. Um, some of them, when you first look at them, you think, uh, gosh, you know, because you're not used to seeing it. You're just not used to seeing it. And uh, but uh, they're looking at every issue you can imagine, Adam. Including, you know, when it fogs up, what do we deal with that? But, you know, these guys are used to dealing with this stuff. Uh, my son, as you may know, was a special operator, a Marine special operator in Afghanistan. And they make the eyeglasses that these guys use where they have to run long distances and then hunker down and be as quiet and as, you know, no movement whatsoever. And they've got to deal with, you know, their face being hot and sweating and not having those glasses fog up. And by the way, those are bomb-proof glasses. Uh, So, you know, if you can dream it, you can do it. I think that's an old Walt Disney saying, but uh, it certainly applies here. It's realistic to think that the players this year, their face masks could be fully covered. That's a viable, discussed alternative for the upcoming season, correct? Yes. That'd be something. Uh, Dr. Mayor, we always appreciate your time. We thank you for it. Good luck with that meeting this afternoon. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Be well and stay safe, Taco. All right. Thanks, Adam. And so there is the medical director of the NFL Players Association, a regular guest on this podcast, Dr. Tom Mayer, or Daco, as we now have come to know him. And now it is time for your Ask Adam questions. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. We should ask Adam. And with that, we bring in my great producer, the woman who gathered together the questions for this week, Christina Buswell. Christina, I hope you and your family are well and safe. We are. We're uh, we're doing well over here. Uh, since you tweeted out to have everybody send in their questions, Scott on Twitter was wondering, now that the draft is over, we're hopefully nearing the start of the 2020 season. 
Which team, in your opinion, Adam, has had the best offseason in terms of signing, drafting, and setting themselves up to win this year? Wow, Scott, great question. And it's a football question. And what I mean by that is there haven't been many questions like that this offseason that you're, you're thinking in a football way like, oh, which team improved the most? And when I look at it, I, I mean, I, I really like what the Saints did. They they kind of held their roster together. They they added on to it some. I, I thought that was pretty impressive. The Falcons have bolstered their roster, done some good things. The Jets added a whole new offensive line. Very impressive what they did up front. The Buffalo Bills traded for Stephon Diggs. The Dolphins added a bunch of free agents. Um. If I'm going to pick one team that just excelled with what it did this offseason, I'll tell you a team that I really like and a team that got some criticism during the draft. I, I liked what the Philadelphia Eagles did during free agency. I, I thought they made some big moves and then complimented it during the draft. And I, I know people are stuck on that Jalen Hurts pick, which I don't mind at all. But um, th- there are a bunch of teams that made some good moves. And that, that's the great part of the offseason, Scott, is that you have a situation where all these teams provide hope to people and they make it such that it it feels like everybody has improved. And I think that's where we're at right now with a lot of these teams, Scott and Christina. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And you even mentioned yourself, not a lot of people are in that football mindset right now. No, no. What you're thinking of is the virus. Yeah, when when you ask me, it's it's hard for me to kind of change gears and get my mind going in that way, to be perfectly frank, because I haven't been thinking like that. I'm just thinking... Of all the scenarios of what it's going to take to get back football and open camp and are we going to have a season on time and all the ramifications like that. Like, you know, the the masks that Dr. Mayer brought up about having surgical or N95 material built into face masks as a recommendation this year. So that's how I'm thinking. I'm not thinking, boy, uh, the Eagles added Javon Hargrave and that's going to really uh, do a lot for their defense this year. (laughs) <laughs> it's definitely a refreshing change of mindset. Uh, Lisa wrote in. She said that she loved your commencement speech from a few oh. podcasts ago. With the ever-changing world of what we're living in today, what is one piece of career advice that you would give your younger self just starting off in any business? Well, Lisa, first of all, thank you for that question. I appreciate it. And it's amazing how many people I see ask that question or encounter it. And what I would say is a few different things. Number one, I gave a speech at the Medill School of Journalism. I think it was 2014, so we're already six years ago. But the ideas are still true today. Um, if you Google that speech or any young student Googles that speech, I would recommend that. Just type in Adam Schefter, Northwestern speech 2014. There's a lot of advice on there uh, over the course of a 70-minute talk. But if we're just going to boil it down, I-, I would say that for people in college – Use your summers to get internships so that you could learn various professions, study how people do jobs, meet people, build your resume, build your network, build your contact group, and see what you like and don't like. Um, while you're doing that, I think then when you graduate, I think it's important to go do something that you want, obviously, that you are passionate about. But once you get in the door, make yourself indispensable work round the clock, work weekends, work holidays, do whatever it is. Make it such that that company, your new employer, can't get rid of you. Not only can they not get rid of you, they 
have to use you and even add on to your responsibilities. So I, I guess in college, it would be to get a lot of different experiences, uh, do internships in a field that you're interested in. And then when you're leaving, uh, just get your foot in the door. I don't care if it's cleaning the mailroom, cleaning toilets, getting coffee for the boss. Just get your foot in the door. And once your foot's in the door, make sure that they can't throw you out that door. I think it's fantastic advice. One sure. final question. Yeah. Russell wants to know, Adam, we've all been stuck in quarantine. There's not a lot of things to watch on TV. But the one thing he looks forward to every Sunday is ESPN's The Last Dance. Yeah. That got him thinking. He wants to know, Adam, who do you consider to be the greatest of all time in the NFL? If you can't pick just one player, who would your top three greatest of all time NFL players be? Great question. Uh, I, well, I, I think you have to start with Tom Brady, right? Like he's won six Super Bowls like Michael Jordan, right? They both won the same amount of championships. I know Michael was unbeaten in the NBA final six and oh, and Tom's not, but I think I just think you have to start with Tom for productivity, durability, longevity, the whole thing. So I'm going to start with Tom. I'm going to add on a player that my father and his generation always told me was the greatest player. I didn't get to watch live, Christina, but it was Jim Brown, who everybody says was just incredible. I mean, Jim Brown would be the answer. I think that anybody in there. 60s or 70s or 80s or 90s would give you today if, you, if they're asked for the greatest player of all time. And then the other player that I would say, a guy that just was immortal for an incredible amount of time and produced ridiculous numbers, was Jerry Rice. And so to me, if I'm going to give you three players, and you can put them in whatever order you want, Tom Brady, Jim Brown, Jerry Rice, three greatest players of all time. Now, it's hard to leave Lawrence Taylor off that list, but again, you asked me for three. I'm giving you those three. They're all offensive players. It's geared around offense. Uh, Lawrence Taylor would get an argument as well. But I'm, I'm going to stick with those three if that's okay, Christina. I think that's perfectly fine. And I think Russell would think that's perfectly fine as well. And so that's where we wind up today, Christina, as we get ready to head into the Memorial Day weekend. So I want to thank you for gathering together those questions. I want to thank the listeners for tweeting them at us and sending in questions that they want answered. Hopefully they'll continue to send them, and we'll continue answering them. I want to thank Dr. Tom Mayer, the medical director of the NFL Players Association, a regular guest on this podcast who's just been tremendous and very gracious with the time that he's granted us as well as the insight that he's provided us. And a special thanks to the Pittsburgh Steelers 25-year-old running back, James Conner, who has a book coming out in mid-June called Fear is a Choice. And while we're thanking people, we, of course, want to thank all the first responders who continue to do so much valuable work and continue to put their lives on the line for the betterment of others and just incredibly appreciative of all these people in the medical field, doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, all the people that work in our grocery stores and restaurants, essential workers that have helped us get through this pandemic. Uh, just want to let everybody out there know how much I appreciate their time. Like when I go to these markets, Christine, I, I just, I look at these people uh, it just blows me away. Like, just amazing. And, and I just want them to know how much I appreciate it and how much everybody else appreciates it. So on this Memorial Day holiday weekend, I hope you all have a great, healthy, productive Memorial Day weekend. We'll be back next week with another Adam Schefter podcast. And until then, be well and stay safe.